Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Ron and Anian. You're always looking to stay out of the twilight zone because you don't want to be between the rock and the hard place. Oh, okay. Let Ron break it. I think it's about to break. All right, let's find out. And bam, right into the twilight zone we were. Right between the rock and the hard place. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the twilight zone. The Car Doctor. We changed the front catalytic converter. I was expecting that to happen based on listening to your show for as long as I have, that that oil's got to go somewhere. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Gee, what are we going to talk about today? There was nothing. It was a quiet week at the shop. Okay, show's over. Let's go home. No, only kidding. Um, I I look at my journal today, and uh, I've been keeping it. And let's see, my headings are the 3995 oil change. The Diagnosis to Nowhere, which actually falls into the Twilight Zone, which might be a good segue since we had that in the open today, Tom. Or we could talk about the Bilstein shock absorber story. Um, I, I don't know. They're 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 all. Let me let me start with the thirty nine ninety five. We'll we'll open up maybe the second hour today with uh, uh, a repair of the week. The Diagnosis to Nowhere. 
because I think okay, that, but 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 we we have to talk about the Twilight Zone too. Don't forget that. Yeah, no, we'll we'll talk about that because I know that's um that, that was. Let me talk about the diagnosis to nowhere. Let me talk about the repair of the week. That was the Twilight Zone story. We had a um we had a 2015 Subaru this week that the customer um, was on their way to Newark Airport actually, and not that that matters, but it's it's the location I think that kind of got me. And they were traveling in North Jersey down Route 208, going past the Nabisco Cookie Factory in Fairlawn, what used to be the Nabisco Cookie Factory in Fairlawn, New Jersey. I swear this is a true story, all right? I, I, have, to, I have to stress that fact. She was driving along, and the automatic transmission fluid temp light came on, saying that the automatic transmission fluid was running too hot. Then she had the ABS light come on. Then, then a couple of other dash warning lights came on. Never saw a check engine light, which was one of the questions I asked on the phone. And I try not to diagnose on the phone, but I was just curious as I was listening to the story, uh, you know, evolve over the phone and then, you know, make an appointment, get it in the shop. Car ended up, check engine light never came on. Check, car, car came into the shop. She continued on her way down Route 208. If you're familiar with North Jersey, she, you know, 208, you go past what was the Nabisco Cookie Factory. And she continued to Newark Airport and, you know, dropped her son off and came back. And life goes on. Dropped the car off at the shop the next day. Just as she described it, the automatic transmission fluid over temp light was on. There was there were several other dashboard lights on. So I... You know, what do I go? I diagnose, I begin from the beginning. If there's 12 steps, you start at one. Step one, duplicate the problem. Yeah, step two, scan for code. Step three, road test. And after I got through my series of initial tests, I came up with what was 17 trouble codes that this otherwise once healthy 2015 100,000-mile Subaru set, all in the blink of an eye, just poof. And I, you know, where do you start, right? 17 codes out of nowhere. I know the car's history. We work on the car regularly, and that's one of the advantage of having a regular mechanic, right? You can, you can, he'll, he'll be able to, if he's doing his job or if she's doing her job, you know, they've got history. They've been doing scans on an annual basis because I'm a firm believer that at least once a year, older vehicles should get a complete scan. It's like going to the doctor for a, a heart rate and blood pressure. It's just part of the process now. Um and there were 17 codes, and none of them made any sense. And there was no check engine light, no PCM codes. But there was a C as in Charlie 1431 automatic transmission fault code, but it was located in the ABS control module, which I understand. The ABS module will set a fault that will tell it, hey, there's a problem. Uh, with the automatic trans, and it will affect how the automatic or anti-lock brakes, I'm sorry, how the anti-lock brake system and traction control operate. The weird part is, and they do that, a lot of the, a lot of the cars do that because they're, they're looking to see who's talking to who. You know, when you're dealing with modular computers, they all talk to each other and all the systems depend on each other for maximum efficiency. And it makes sense. If one of them stops working, you know, if one of your kids gets out of line and, and they need a timeout, you've got to let the other kids know, don't play with that kid, give them some space, give them some timeout, and we'll see where this goes. So... I've got a timeout being called by the analog brake controller for the automatic transmission control module, but the engine controller, which to me is the boss, isn't involved. Charlie 1431 
is an interesting chart, you know, and I'm not a chart guy. I'll read the chart from the manufacturer, the flow chart, and what the manufacturer says to do. Sometimes I'll, I'll go along with it, sometimes not. Sometimes you have to think outside the box. And I could see that this was fast becoming a think-outside-the-box, Twilight Zone kind of vehicle, right? I was slowly evolving into something. And it was funny, right? Charlie 1431, they tell you to clear codes, okay? And I read the chart all the way through, and I did what it said. But I always read through first, and I cleared codes, and I drove the vehicle. No faults came back. And I went and did some of the other things on the flow chart. And it was the last step that got me. The last step said, did the codes repeat? No. Did the codes repeat? Yes. Yes was replace the anti-lock control module, the anti-lock brake control module. No, meaning the car had an intermittent glitch and hiccuped all these codes. The exact wording was, fault is being contributed by outside frequency interference. Boy, if that's not the twilight zone, I don't know what is. Here's the part that got me. Where did I start this story? Where was she, right? Do you remember? She was on Route 208 in New Jersey traveling south, right past what was once the Nabisco Cookie Factory. Now, I know this is the weird part. This is where you're going to start thinking Ron's wearing an aluminum hat, you know, a tinfoil hat trying to ward off evil rays. I'll never forget the story that an ex-mechanic, a mechanic who no longer works for me, told me that his father was a night watchman at the Nabisco Cookie Factory in Fairlawn, New Jersey, about 30 years ago. And every time I hear this story, and I've heard this from more than a few people, but George was the first person to tell it to me. George was out there having a cigarette late at night. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. He was watching the cookies, waiting for people to come in. He was the night watchman, and he he swore to me. And I knew George. George was as straight arrow as it came. George told me the story about the little saucer that landed in the behind the Nabisco cookie factory, and these little guys got out and dispersed into the woods. And I thought George was kidding me, or I thought he was drunk or both, and uh, he wasn't. And then I heard that story repeat on more than one occasion, and I just always wondered, God, was there any truth to it? And then I noticed, you ever look at the center of an Oreo cookie, right? You ever look at what's on the middle of an Oreo cookie? It's a flying saucer with an antenna. You ever think about that? And I said, why would this Subaru drive past the cookie factory and all of a sudden have outside radio frequency interference? I know it sounds weird. I swear this story really happened this week, and I was as sober as a preacher, um, just kind of crazy, right? Just, she said, as soon as I got to the Nabisco cookie factory, all the lights came on. What's going on? What are they really doing with those cookies? That's what I want to know. True story. That really happened this week. And, uh, as far as I know, the car has been out there four or five days and it's fixed and it's operating and it's doing what it's supposed to do. I thought it was interesting, right? Because it's basically a, a repair that led nowhere. There was a, there was a P00 95. P0095 in the fault code list does not exist. It's not in all data. It's not in Mitchell. It's not in Identifix. It's not in IETN. I went to the Subaru manufacturer website. That fault code does not exist. The car was putting out fault codes that the manufacturer does not have listed in the website or in, in the information, service information for that vehicle. How weird is that? And all I kept thinking You've been was... you Stephen King again? Tom, I'm telling you, all I kept thinking was, <laughs> and it happened right in front of the cookie factory. So, um, just, you know what? I stopped eating Oreos after this week. I can't I can't do it anymore. It's 
you know. But Tom, am I right? Look at the inside of a cookie. Look at the top of an Oreo cookie. Isn't that a flying saucer with a little antenna sticking up? Yeah, I've always thought that was a little bit odd, you know? Yeah, well, that's the true story. George George, George would tell me that story every time, and I, I know actually two other people not related to each other that didn't know each other that told me some strange stories about that cookie factory. So I kind of, when I go by it, I always make the sign of the cross. Let's pull over Makes and take you wonder what the, uh, what the double stuff is in the cookies. Well, they're, they're really making, <laughs> uh, you know, I've got some great Oreo cookie stories. That's a, show, that's a different kind of show. Let's pull over and take a pause at 855-560-9900. Run on eating the car, doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Little GTO, you really look in Three deuces and a four-speed and a 389. Need advice on how to maintain that classic GTO? Ron is the guy. 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Hey, let's get over and talk to, uh, oh, let's go to talk to Stanley in Florida. He must need air conditioning in Florida today. Stanley, how are you? Welcome to the car, doctor. Good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, sir. What's going on? I have a 99 Honda Civic EX. The wire that goes to the AC compressor works once in a while. It quit working completely. I've replaced the relay with five other Honda Civic relays. It doesn't make any, doesn't come on. If you take a jumper wire, go to the fuse box around the battery under the hood, it's got juice going to it. If you jump, use a jumper wire, the light that wire that goes to the AC compressor will light up. Okay. So let's let's go back a second. All right. Going into that sure. going into that relay, you've got you've got a black yellow which is coil feed to supply power to the relay. You've got a black yellow which is coming off of the seven and a half amp fuse seventeen in the under dash fuse box. All right. The other side of that yeah. is ground is provided by the uh, there's an AC compressor control provided by the PCM, and that's on the black red pin A17, if I remember right. Okay, so the PCM okay. the PCM has command authority on that relay. When you turn the AC on, does the relay at least click? No, there's no juice going to the relay at all to the compressor. It doesn't do anything. That no, completely forget, not. forget, forget to yes, the compressor. Sir. I'm I'm asking a relay's a switch, right? I'm just asking right, one. R- right, I'm just asking do we have power on the one side? You got four wires. You're going to have power on two of them, ground control on one and supply feed to the compressor when the system's working correctly. Agreed? Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Yes. So, on the black red, black red is feed from fuse 17. You've always got good feed at fuse at at that black red coming into the relay box. Right. I know it's tough to get to, but we've, we've I've checked it. There's not it works. Yes. Okay. It's so so then both the next sides of that. Yes, sir. Okay. Then then the PCM then grounds that relay control when you request AC off of the switch. All right. So, have, go ahead. Okay. Well, what I was going to say was when when the switch grounds, when you turn on, when you turn on, you say, "Hey, I want AC." Does the relay at least click? I don't care what's coming out the other side. Do we at least get a click? Do we have command? I don't hear anything. Okay. Do you have a scan tool? Um, yes. 
Um, have you tried looking to see? I don't know if it'll do it in '99. If you tried looking to see, can you bring up AC request as one of the PIDs? I haven't tried it yet on that. No. All right. Let's look to see that. All right. Because the first thing I want to know is I want to know, and there, if you can see an AC request, it will also have an AC input. So will it see the pressure switch or not? All right. Um, what we're looking to do is at the at the pressure switch. There's a blue red wire. Okay, if you ground that blue red wire, does the compressor clutch come on? I haven't tried that yet. No. All right. Because, because after what they said in the shop service manual, after I did everything they told me to do, and it still doesn't work, I was kind of like, okay, what do you do now? Right. Right. Let's listen. Let's let's just break it down into something simple. All right. That relay is nothing more than a light switch on the wall. All right. right. If the lights if the lights don't come on, how are you going to check it? You got power on one side of the switch. You flick the switch or the relay. You got to have power coming out. If you got power coming out of the light switch, and the bulb doesn't light, and the AC compressor doesn't go off, if you've got power going right to the bulb, then either you've got a failed ground on the outbound side of the bulb, which could be, or the compressor, or you've got a bad bulb, a bad compressor clutch. But you should see, but I don't, I don't, I'm not saying you've got a bad compressor. I'm saying we should be able to prove where are we losing it, all right? There's a black-red wire at the pressure switch, all right? If, if, okay. you, if you ground that black-red wire coming off the pressure switch, that should tell the PCM, apply ground, and it should close the relay. Okay. All right? Um. I'm sorry, blue-red. Did I say black-red? Blue-red. There's a blue-red wire at the pressure switch. See if the compressor clutch comes on. Obviously, do this through a fused jumper. All right? Then you've, right. Got, to, then you've got to go to the thermostat switch and ground the blue-white wire there. If the compressor clutch comes on or if the denser fan operates and the compressor doesn't come on, that tells you the circuit's working. The com the, com the Evaporator fan does come on. It does come on. The condenser yep. fan. The condenser fan does the come on. The condenser fan outside by the radiator comes on. That okay. kicks on. Okay. If you, just for giggles, you want to cut right to the chase? If if you go to the feed wire going to the compressor mm -hmm. and put a bulb in place of it, you got an old school round style headlight? Yes. Okay. That's about a 7 amp current draw. Why don't you put that bulb in place of the head in the place of the compressor? Can you get that headlight to light up? If you use a jumper wire in the fuse box, I'll try. I mean, it does work. But I haven't. I tried a regular test light, and it does not come on at all. Okay. All right, then I eh, just try the headlight thing. The headlight, the headlight thing, kind of. Okay. It just, it just, it tells. Tell me what's good. I'll tell you what's bad. All right. Um, do you have a wiring diagram for this car, Stanley? Yes. Okay. So just just follow it through. Like I said, if you need more information, take my email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. Okay. All right. And I'll be glad to send you I'll be glad to send you some more information on this. This this isn't a hard circuit to dope out. All right. Okay. All right. Sometimes I figure I was nobody Yeah, sometimes had this car trouble. <laughs> no, some, sometimes sometimes there's a bad thermostat involved. Sometimes um, it's the compressor itself. There's a switch inside the compressor that went bad. 
but we've just got to sort out power and grounds and see what we're missing, and I think you'll be fine. I do appreciate your help. All right, sir, anytime. All right, I'm glad to be here Thank for you. you. Like I said, shoot me an email right after the show today, and I'll, I'll, I'll get on it right away. All right? Take good care. Yep. Okay, yeah, no, listen. Um, you always got to take the guy with the air conditioning problem first, especially the one in Florida. Um, you, ever, you ever been to Florida when it's, when it's in, in the middle of the summer? I've been to Florida in the winter. And it's it's hotter than it is here in North Jersey in the summer, so it's uh, it's brutal. I remember the first time I got to Florida, and I said, "Yeah, I wonder how hot Florida really is." You know, we came out. You come out. You're in the airport. And it's air conditioned. Boy, they don't tell you the part about when you walk through that wall and you step outside the uh, airport. It's like it's like a curtain. You just go through it. It's like instant humidity. Whew. Holy cow! Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Ron Nane, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Let's get over to Aaron in Massachusetts. What's going on with this 11 Nissan? Aaron, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Thanks for having me, Ron. I appreciate your time. You're very um, welcome, sir. So, yeah, I've got the uh, 2011 Nissan Altima, the 2.5-liter four-cylinder. Um, basically, what's happening is I'm getting a P0442, which is a small EVAP leak. Right. Um so, you know, right off the bat, okay, common, you know, check the gas cap. It was cheap enough, I just replaced it because it's, it's a, you know, 10-year-old, almost 11-year-old car. Sure. With 120,000, 28,000 miles. Okay, you know, rubber gaskets, you know, get old, brittle, whatever. So for, you know, what, 20 bucks, change the gas cap. Did, do you recall what the that, the surface of the cap, where the cap sits against the neck, do you recall what that looks like? Was it, was it, it, sm- it, was it smooth and clean? That's smooth. It's okay. smooth. It's real nice, shiny, not pitted or anything like okay. that. It's good. Right. Um, even honestly, the gas the gas cap looks fine. I just said, you know what? For for twenty five, yeah. twenty twenty five bucks, let's just replace it. I get it. Sure. Um. So that didn't help. I clear the code. Um. I drive. I don't know a while. Um. Code comes back. Um. So I I go through. You know. Okay, let's let's break out the scan tool and, and, and go through the diagnostic procedures. Let's stop being lazy on it. So I, I test the uh, uh, canister uh, uh, vent solenoid. Right. I can command it closed. I have a smoke machine on it. I command it closed. I stop getting smoke out of it. I open it, I get smoke. So I know that's working. Does your well does um, your does your smoke machine show flow? It does not show flow. So you're closing it, so there's no flow meter. So how do you know the system is sealed if, I guess, you're looking for smoke is what they're making you do? Correct, correct. So okay. the next thing I did was I, I went up to the EVAP purge uh, valve up at the, you know, close to the intake, made sure that wasn't, you know, that was working properly. Commanded it on, off. I could hear it clicking. You know, I'd get smoke. If I open it, i get I, I lose smoke if I close it. Um I've gone through with a fine-tooth comb looking for a small EVAP leak. Um, can't find anything leaking. The, the, what's throwing me for a loop 
is if I fill my gas tank, um, the check engine light will be good. The monitors will, will all set within about 125 miles. Now, I get awesome gas mileage, so a tank lasts me about 530 miles. Um, so around, right around just over half a tank, I'll get a loose, cap, loose gas cap light comes on, and maybe two or three minutes later, the check engine light comes on. And if I just ignore it and I go into my scan tool a couple days later and I do the readiness, check my readiness monitors, they're all passed again. I still have the check engine light on, but the EVAP has passed. Okay. So let's let's back up right there. It's not that the yep. EVAP has passed. First of all, did you go to high school? Yes. Did you... Yeah. What was your worst subject in high school? Uh... Probably biology. Okay. Did you complete every test? Yes. Did you pass every yeah. test? Yeah. Did you pass every test? No, definitely not. No. No. So, you know, the scan tool companies use the wrong terminology. When you're looking at a monitor, it should really say complete, incomplete. Some of them use pass, fail. Okay. Some of them use yes, no. Some of them use a strike and a symbol. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't get it. All right, it's, it's, did you complete the test? Yes. Did you pass the test? The way you know on a car if the monitor passed the test is if it set a fault or if it turned the light on or a combination of both. So, you know, understand that. The tool's lying to you. Never believe a scan okay. tool is my is my motto, unless, it, unless it's making sense. If it's not making sense, the tool's lying to you. So go back again. The uh, An EVAP monitor by OBD2 principle, will not run when there's more than three-quarters of a tank of fuel or less than a quarter. All right? right? So if you want to keep the light out and not fix the car, just keep filling the car up every time it hits three-quarters of a tank. You're good. Exactly. <laughs> All right? That's how I pass inspection. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, and, and, well, the reason you passed inspection is because probably in Massachusetts, like New Jersey, you can have one monitor incomplete and still be a pass on an 11 automobile. That, that I believe, well, just a little background, I did work in the industry for a very long time. I do believe Massachusetts just changed that. Right. And they do not, um, I don't think they allow anything to be incomplete anymore. Hmm. I could be wrong, but I, I, I don't think they they do allow anything to be incomplete because about a year ago they revamped the test the, the test company and it was it was a headache with, with trying to get stuff uh, to pass. But but either way. Either way. But I wanna see I wanna see how that affects the people driving the older cars. Anyway. All right. Yeah. So yeah. so I think where your flaw is and your testing is solid, but where your flaw is without a flow meter all you're doing is mechanically checking and electrically checking vent and purge, open, close, smoke, no smoke. All right? Yeah. If there's a leak somewhere in the system and a, and, a, and a 442 is a leak less than 20 thousandths of an inch, you're looking for something smaller than the half the thickness of a head of hair on your right. head. All right? So why don't we do this? Turn the key on. Close the vent. Can you close the vent in the purge, put the system into an uh, EVAP-based service test or a sealed state, all right? And if you turn smoke on, watch the fuel tank pressure sensor. 
A smoke machine should okay. should produce roughly less. Uh, it's about a pound of pressure. It's not a lot, but you should see the fuel tank pressure sensor off the scan tool change state. It'll likely go up. I believe it'll show a voltage increase. All right, yep. as 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 pressure goes up, and then stop the smoke machine. And does does the tank pressure hold? And if the tank pressure holds, okay. then we can have a different conversation. If the tank pressure doesn't hold, then at least you know for sure you're looking for a leak. And if you want to prove is the tank okay. pressure sensor showing you something real, take the gas cap off. You should see an instantaneous loss of system pressure. Okay. Now, that being said, watch how much smoke you pump into this system. You know, older right, systems, right. I'm always cautious because smoke is a petroleum-based product, and you're now pumping petroleum product into something with a canister that <laughs> you'll oversaturate the canister with smoke from the smoke machine. So you want to use it judiciously. Last right, thought. Right. Last thought. Ultimas, I would look at the. I would look very carefully at the fuel filler neck. Make sure there's no rust and corrosion. Looking for a pinhole. Yep. All right. Okay. And then take the line off the purge valve. Electrically disconnect the purge valve. Start the car and disconnect the purge valve line. Put your finger. Put your finger okay. over the purge valve. Do you feel suction? I, I've done that and I don't. Okay. Okay. Um, then you've got it. You're you're on this. You're you're close. Okay. All right. The key. Right. The key I would want to know is, and here's where I would want to know. That's why I'm saying the fuel tank pressure sensor test will tell you. If this was in the shop, I'd be looking at the flow meter. If I had an intermittent like this. I would I would be paying very close attention to vent and purge, fuel filler neck, and then at that point I would have to probably break out the five gas and start sniffing around the fuel tank and, and lines for, for leaks that I can't see by smoke. Okay, and one one other thing that, that's also throwing me for a loop is I don't I don't drive on the highway very much just because you know, if, if I'm going out with the family and the kids and take my, my wife's Lexus, you know, so I just drive this to work. Um, you know, I, I try and get as good gas mileage, so I never really, you know, romp on the throttle. But I've noticed when I take it, you know, up to New Hampshire, or, you know, I take it on a, you know, 15, 20 minute ride on the highway and really get on it, um, it will clear the check engine light, which boggles me because under, you know, you have most vacuum under idle, correct? Well, don't look at it like that. Yes, you do, but don't look at it like that. You just have to be hitting a point where the EVAP monitor runs again. Got to okay. remember, every time that, if that monitor runs X number of times, at some point it will clear the light. It won't clear the code. The code yep. clears after 30, 30 attempts, and I believe or the light's going to clear after, for a conversation's sake, uh, six and the code will clear after 30. but And it's different for every year, make, and model. I never try to keep that in my head. It's an average approximation. Um, so don't let that throw you, all right? Do those things. Call me back. All we'll right. fix this. All right, brother? Will do. I appreciate your time, Ron. Love the show. Thank you, sir. You be well. I'm Ron Annie in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on the end of the car, Dr. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. That's 24-7. You can call that number, 855-560-9900. And leave a message. If we're not on the air, we're live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. on the network. We will uh, put you in the queue for the next live broadcast. Just leave a message. Tell us where we can find you, and we will find you. 
and um, we'll get you up here and we'll solve your car problem because that's what we do and have been doing for the past 31 years. Let's go to Jeremy in Connecticut and uh, see what's going on here. Jeremy, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hi, thank you. You're welcome. Well, I concisely as I can, I have a clatter problem, a very loud clatter problem with a 302 in a 70 Mustang convertible. Okay. And I'm getting ready to sell this car, so it's it's uh, very annoying. Uh, obviously, I've got to get it fixed to get the best price on it. Let me tell you briefly what has already been done. Uh, originally, it sounded like lifters. It has hydraulic lifters. So my mechanic is very good. He's probably, uh, you know, his late 30s. He's, he's uh, pretty sharp. And uh, so what we did is the following. He replaced all the lifters. Well, first off, he identified the clatter as coming from the first cylinder on the passenger side as you look at the motor. Okay. And so he he pulled the valve cover off and immediately discovered that two of the rockers on that cylinder were off, right off the the, the valves, and uh, and those um, uh, push rods were bent. So that cylinder wasn't even firing. It it ran fine. But it was making that noise. Yeah. So big old cast iron uh, V eight back in the day. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So what he did was uh, he replaced. Uh, he took the head off. He replaced all the the lifters, and one of those uh, lifters in that cylinder was stuck. Okay. And he said he looked at the cam the best he could through whatever hole you can inspect it through i'm not familiar with it i'm sure you are and he said it looked fine okay so all the lifters on that side were replaced all of the push rods and though and four rockers and uh the when he put it all back together uh new gaskets and everything um it, it starts right up runs fine but the clatter is there just as loud as ever Okay. So, first question, has he looked at it running? Does he see oil coming out the top of the rock or through the push rod? I don't know, but I'm sure he would have said that. Um, unless he doesn't. Okay, unless, me, and I'm not picking on him, but unless he doesn't yep. know the test. So, first first rule of thumb, all right, let's pop the, let's pop the valve cover off, start it up, let it yep. idle. Now, we're not looking for a flood. We're looking for, you know, a nice, steady little puddle of oil coming up out of the push rod to keep the top of the rocker pivot lubricated. All right? Okay. That's number one. This particular Ford head has individual rockers, correct? This is not a shaft motor? Did you correct. see this? You're right. Okay. So yes. we're, we're looking for oil coming out of each individual push rod. That's number one. If by some okay. chance, and I don't think this will be the case, but if by some chance you see oil coming out at full force, like it's going to shoot oil over the fender of the car, you've got yeah. a you've got a stuck lifter, possibly debris in the oil galley. Don't be afraid to assume that you know that the lifter is stuck open, and that's why it's pushing oil so fast and possibly contributing to the noise. 
Um, I'll tell you what. Sit right tight. Sit tight a minute, Jeremy. Let me uh, let me pull over and take this take take a pause, and we'll finish up when we come back. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Don't anybody go anywhere. Welcome back, Ron Anini, the Car Doctor. Jeremy, Connecticut. You're still there, sir. Correct. Yes, I am. So, so let me ask. Let me ask this question, and I failed to do this. Is this a stock motor? Yes. Okay. And as far as I know, I've had it for thirteen years, but I don't know what uh, and might it, have been done with it. But right, but and it, it it wasn't a case where you modified something, put it together, and you had this clatter. You've been using it, no. how, however sparingly, and then all of a sudden, this noise developed out of the blue. Yes. Okay. So first, I'm back to my first statement. I want to know what I want to know if I've got oil dribbling up out of the push rod, feeding the rocker. All right. Okay. That's just really important. This is a. Did you see this head when when the valve cover was off? This is a bolt through the rocker arm, clamping it down to the head style. Correct. Yes. Okay. Make sure. Uh, I did not see it with the head off. That's okay. Uh, That's okay. Covered. Make sure. Make sure the fulcrum isn't damaged that the rocker arm sits on. Because my first question would be, why'd the push rods fall out? Yeah. Okay. Right? Is the fulcrum damaged? Right. Is the okay. fulcrum damaged that the rocker arm pivots on? All right. Why did the push rods fall out? Okay. Last thing is, I'm going to tell you, if you've got oil shooting over the fender on this car, don't be afraid to take a little rubber mallet gently and tap the top of the rocker in order to try and reseat the plunger. Maybe there's debris in the lifter galley, and that's what's holding the lifter up, although that would just prevent cause high oil pressure, not necessarily cause it to clatter. You got some testing to do, and then call me back. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.